everybody. Welcome again to the Tradescast. It's a podcast dedicated to everything in the world of entertainment for your enjoyment. My name is Jeff Fav. And I'm Tom Moss. And this is the Tradescast for the week of January 30th. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing very good. Um, award season is here. A lot of people are using awards, by the way, just to talk about Donald Trump, which is always funny. Uh, yeah. So Trump is Trump is hard not to talk about, even in our little trades cast, because yes, um, everybody keeps getting up at the SAG Awards and uh, basically running against Trump. So it, it makes things kind of different. Uh, Jeff, let, um, me, let me ask, let me ask you this: Do you think uh, Do you think that um, politically actually helps him or hurts him? I think. It's a wash. Yeah. I know that seems like an easy answer, but I think that fans of Trump are not hurt by it. I think that people who didn't like him didn't like him anyway, and the people who pay no attention won't be paying attention until somewhere around November of 20, either 18 or 20. So, yeah, so, so no so, one is persuaded is what I hear you saying. I think the persuasion factor is very low. Yeah, but right. uh, the echo chamber is very loud on every side. So, um, so that's how that goes. Um, so you know, we we don't talk a ton about box office um, in theater, but I wanted to mention a couple of things and just get your feelings on them. Sure. Um, one is uh, this weekend, two directors whose names uh, used to carry a lot more cachet, a lot more weight, or critical acclaim are sitting there atop the box office. One is Lassie Hallstrom, who shows up with a dog's purpose. Uh, Hallstrom's uh, resume of films is, one, I would say, one of the most varied in, I was going to say Hollywood, but in the world. Um, quite varied, very different, mainstream art stuff, um, you know, and this film looked interesting, very family-oriented, spiritual aspects to it. And then the other name is M. Night Shyamalan, somebody who I am. I am an M. Night Shyamalan apologist. Uh, it's funny, you didn't have to be an apologist for him for a while, then you had to start being an apologist for him. Um, but he seems to have found new life in lower-budget films, where I think where his skill can kind of um, uh, show itself. Um, because he's still quite masterful, I think, as a director in many ways. Now he um, uh, he has started also. Am I wrong? Is he directing his own scripts, or is he he's directing other people's scripts? Um, you know, he has he's got to get more to the directing other people's scripts. I yeah. can't actually remember if he wrote Split, um, but it's doing quite well. He either I believe he wrote it or co-wrote it, but um, I think. But um, Split. Uh, is doing really well. It looks creepy and odd. And um, so those two names showed up atop the atop the box office. Um, and so I'm curious your thoughts on that. I mean, is it fun to see those names? Do you think it's because um, good talent just needs good material? Oh, uh, or is it luck? You tell me. What do you think? Well, I wonder. I mean, I think, I mean, I think, like you say, I think uh, Shyamalan is getting his um, his uh, his sea legs back. So I think there's there's something of a resurgence. But I also wonder if it isn't something um, uh, in the climate, maybe. And I wonder if there are, um, uh, you know, if if these kinds of movies, both very different but both very escapist, uh, are are just what people are looking for right now. 
Yeah, I, I floated this uh, belief um, to a bunch of people today when I was giving a lecture about how I thought there would be a rise in nostalgia films in the next two years. There's always a place for them. But when people are feeling more down and people seem to have 2016 and 2017 more down, more dissatisfied, uh, I think we'll see more nostalgia films um, or feel-good films. You think that we, we might be heading on that trend? Well, yeah. I mean, we talked about um, musicals, I think, last time we spoke. And, uh, I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, that's, that's right. Now, if, if um, escapist movies are going to be uh, on the upswing, uh, Jeff, what's going to be on the downswing? What are we going to see less of? I think we've reached a ceiling in superhero movies, which is, I think, the number one you know cycle, the type of movie that's really hot. I think that even though we're going to still see tons of them, I feel like we've we kind of pushed the envelope about as far as we can go with numbers, and I see that I feel it kind of reeling back. Um, what do you think? Uh, no, I, I do. I mean, I think we might have seen the peak of, well, I mean, the superheroes aren't going away, but I mean, maybe the ultra-violent versions of those and, um, and maybe, you know, the more apocalyptic, uh, shows, uh, <laughs> might be on the downswing for maybe obvious yeah. reasons. Let me too say that, uh, that Split was, uh, M. Night Shyamalan script. Yeah, that's okay. That's what I thought. Um, he still has enough, uh, power to do that. But uh, I do think that his skills um, as a director, he ought to be working with other people. Um, I've, I've said that long about Spike Lee as well. <clears throat> but let's talk about musicals and let's talk about Hidden Figures and La La Land for a second. Um, completely different kinds of films. I think both are surprising people at the box office. Um, basically getting up to, you know, no one, I don't think anyone was thinking La La Land was ever going to gross a hundred million dollars. Um, so those two movies doing incredibly well, but here's, what's interesting to me. Hidden figures is doing really well. I think it's being celebrated and I think rightly so. And it's, um, you know, biopics are still very popular and this one ticks a lot of boxes. La La Land, a surprise anticipated as a small hit became a, a, a big hit, a legit big hit gets massive Oscar nominations Unlike Hidden Figures, there's backlash. So are you surprised by the backlash, the la-la backlash? Uh, say that again? La-la backlash. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to push back a little bit or maybe get your thoughts about, was was La La Land really such a sleeper? I mean, it it it, it had, it had you know, major stars. Um, it had a major director on the, on the, on the rise. Um, I mean, I think that's part of the narrative of La La Land, but I'm not sure I'm completely buying it. Um, I, I like your, I like your standing firm. My counter on that would be the budget is fairly low. Um, it's, it's a modern, more edgy musical in many respects, although classic in others. And it is a celebrated director, but not a mega hit director. He's yeah. young. He's critically successful. But I gotta, I gotta be honest, Tom. Even though I knew people who were excited for this movie three, four months out, if I had told you, you know, will this movie gross more than a hundred million or less? You'd have said less. Well, that 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 may be true. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to predict. Um, but it doesn't really surprise me that the movie is doing well. Um, 
in in a sense. I mean, I, I saw it, Jeff, and I and I liked it. And I think I, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. Um, I thought it was good. I thought I really enjoyed it. I think uh, I applaud that it got made. I thought it was a little dull, to be honest, and I was a little um, a little surprised. If there's anything about it that surprised me, the, the 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 you know the tying the record for the most Oscars aspect of it um, is that it's while applaudable and laudable in a lot of ways, it's not that great of a movie. That's interesting. Now, I think the film is very good. Um, oddly enough, I think the weakest section of the scene is the opening song because it's my least favorite song in the show. And although it's interesting and very Hollywood-esque, I didn't think the direction was that brilliant in the beginning. After that, I thought the movie just really kicked in, and I really liked the music, and I liked the the pacing, and I loved the acting. Um, would I have said, oh my gosh, this movie is deserving of the most Oscar nominations? Well, i got to tell you, Tom, today I, uh, today I showed a class uh, of students, uh, The Artist. Um, I think The Artist is a solid film. I think it's creative. I think it's clever. I think it's interesting. I like um, the smartness of it. Do I think it should have won Best Picture in any year? No, I don't. But it was the right kind of film for the right kind of year, and I will argue that La La Land is the right kind of film for the right kind of year. Well, we've talked before about how the the, the quality of the movie and the longevity of the movie doesn't necessarily translate to or have anything to do with whether it wins the Oscar or not. So I understand what you're saying about it being uh, the, the, the moment. And like I say, I didn't, I'm, I'm not a La La Land hater. I just, I just didn't think it was as strong as apparently other people do. Um, you know, I, I know we don't really, we talk about, you know, uh, the rating of, of movies back and forth uh, here very often. I th- but, but I will say, I thought Moonlight was, astounding and um you know it'll be really interesting to see where the academy goes in terms of its uh, sort of mood and climate this year yeah absolutely um i uh but it's fun to know that you're part of the la la backlash uh, so <laughs> um, people are out there and and any film that gets this kind of i mean you know when uh, avatar or titanic or even lord of the rings gets enough academy award nominations there's going to be backlash so, um, I mean, even Bill Maher basically said, shut up, I'm not going to go see La La Land. Stop telling me to go see it. Um, and that's kind of what happens. Uh, there's, you know, there's a film every so often, Birdman, where it's like some people thought it was brilliant, other people thought it was ridiculous, and a lot of people thought it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. But is it that good? Yeah, um, and you think about again, the movies that we're talking about, you know, five, six, seven, eight years later, uh, often it's not what won the Academy Award. Right, and that is some, that's what I was going to say, because I always talk about this with the top films of all time, whatever we think of that, whatever that means. They tend to have a lot of impact and innovation, but the impact can't really be felt for 5 or 10 or 15 years. Um, so La La Land may have that, however, but we're just going to have to see. It's hard to know. Um, I just wanted to look at the, um, the list of canceled and renewed shows. Uh, Tom, I think that the funniest thing about this list, and of course I have the list for everything, including Hulu and Netflix and uh, cable channels and all that, but going with your big five, um, I think if I told you the names of shows that either got picked up for a full season early on or have already been renewed, that the number of them that you even know 
is probably pretty small. Well, give, um, give, it, give it a try here. Let's see what happens. Okay. Well, I, some of them, of course, you, you're going to know. Um, did you know that a show called um, Brain Dead got canceled on CBS? I, I'd never heard of it. Did you know that American Gothic got canceled, or did you remember when it started? That's not the one. Uh, that's not. That's not the anthology horror sh- horror show. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, did you know that um, a, a couple got canceled? Did you know that no. Aquarius got canceled? No. Um, you know, again, these are shows that you don't even remember were shows. Like they they barely are on the. On the scale, so the number of hits. Let me let me ask you before you before sure. you go on. Uh, when we're talking about a show of the caliber of Aquarius, uh, how many people are watching that every week? A few million, not okay. many. Four okay. million, three million. It's low. Um, so I, the the number of shows that are hits every year, I mean new hits, is so low on major networks that I feel like they have gotten to the point where they think if you can, if they can come up with a couple of new hits, I mean, you know, it used to be you, you figured everything was going to be a new hit. Um, for example, have you watched speechless yet? Speechless is a show that ABC kind of feels like is one of their new quote hits. Have you watched it? Well, no. (laughs) Okay. Right. Um, Designated Survivor is now is now a strong ABC showing show. Um, so these are kind of things that I just don't think uh, hardly anybody is aware um, is are, are going on. Um, they they just the number of shows that are what we call bona fide like bona fide new hits um, it are so few. NBC actually stumbling into, and I feel like I've got to say stumbling into, This Is Us. Yeah. Um, it just feels like, uh, I, I don't like they accidentally turned left when they meant to turn right and they ran into a good show. Isn't, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, it just feels like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's well crafted though, so I, I think it's, um, it's probably not a complete surprise. Uh, but yes, I have heard of that one, I've watched it, and I think it is fantastic. But but again, I'm telling you the names of okay, Bull on CBS, okay, yeah. and uh, and this is us, and a couple of shows, and that's it. Now here's what's fascinating to me: if you look at the lists for Netflix and for um, Amazon Prime and for Hulu and for most cable, what you see are very few cancellations. And a lot of renewals. And it shows you that they are less obsessed with ratings, more obsessed with quality, and more willing to give a show more time. I mean, Netflix kind of made news by canceling Marco Polo because they just don't cancel shows. You know well, what I mean? Also, they also, yeah, I do. And they, but they also have a global, a global uh, reach and um, you know, unlimited bandwidth, right? So they can... Uh, they can, they can, they can. Uh, I guess throw a little more um, spaghetti, what, spaghetti at the wall. What's, how's that thing go? Uh, <laughs> you know, they they can throw throw a lot more things out there to see what what will what will stick. And if, if it if it sticks in, uh, I don't know what what percentage of the world. You know, they might have a hit on their hand, even if it doesn't play here. Right, and I and I do feel like so when you look at the names, 
it, it is one of those things where now you just kind of glance through the broadcast networks and think, oh, I never wanted to watch that. Or, oh, that one was the one that looked interesting and it got canceled after two episodes. That that's kind of where it is. And you look at the other places, the alternative places, and it's just kind of good show after good show or one you may not want to watch, but one that is looks interesting. Um, and I think that's just that's just fascinating that there's just so many of these shows. And if you think we hit a ceiling... You just have to look at how many shows Netflix is premiering this year. Right. Um, speaking of which, I have to tout uh, Santa Clarita Diet, not because I know anything about the show, but I live in Santa Clarita, <laughs> and it was filmed in Santa Clarita, so I'm actually kind of excited about that. Um, so um, that show is actually um, beginning this weekend. So that's a show you can, uh, I believe, binge watch if you want to. But um, just so many shows and so little time, but mostly so few hits. That's the thing that's really surprising to me. It's just how few hits there are. Um, I wanted to mention um, Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, again, there's not a lot that we can say that hasn't been said. Um, but let's talk about her from the viewpoint that we always take, which is an entertainment business um, point of view. Do you think that Mary Tyler Moore as either an actress, a producer, or just the Mary Tyler Moore show truly influenced programming that we watch today? Well, that's a really good question. You know, I think, uh, I was thinking about this cause we've been watching uh, some old episodes for the last few days and, and, you know, what a great way to escape. Um, uh, they, and they, they hold up really well. Uh, as an actress, she was terrific at playing Mary Tyler Moore and Laura Petrie. She, you know, I didn't have much beyond that except a, a great role in Ordinary People, um, but that was okay. But what what you're asking is about the structure of the the sitcom, um, you, you know, or I, I, or the nature of of the single woman, you know. Yeah, well, I think culturally she had a huge impact. I mean, I think. You know whether she was echoing what was going in the culture or vice versa. I mean, we can we can you know probably uh, debate that for hours. Um, but in any case, uh, she represented what was happening in the culture extremely well. Um, did did uh, did she affect lives? You know, Jeff, uh, I I was not a single woman in the seventies, um, <laughs> but I was a huge Mary Tyler Moore fan. And um, uh, as you know, my first career was in broadcasting, and I think a lot of the reason for that. Uh, was because of Mary Tyler Moore and growing up with that show. So um, you know, if uh, if she could have that influence on a on a on a on a young boy from Central Illinois, I imagine she had an influence on others as well. Uh, when we think about the the structure of a sitcom, um, you know, it was um, probably not defining because the sitcom had been around for you know, 25 years on TV and 30 or 40 years on radio and you know, longer than that, if we could, you know, go back to Greek, the, the Greeks probably. Um, but that, that genre of work and home, um, uh, and, and having, having storylines that could bounce back and forth between those, uh, I, I think, I think was defining. And I think we see that play out through countless sitcoms, uh, through the years and, and even, even today. Um, I think Blackish. You know, you know very, talk, talk about a sitcom that's that's contemporary. Um, Blackish is a, a, a work sitcom and a, and a home sitcom. Right, uh, and very very rarely is somebody <clears throat> the one of the major characters of two 
what people actually consider iconic shows running for six or seven years um, during a you know during a twenty year span of time or even you know less than twenty years. That's incredibly rare that somebody actually has two vehicles like that. You know, I mean, we can name the people who've done that on you know certainly on two hands, maybe just on one. Bob Newhart is one. Michael Landon is one. There are a few. Um, but there are not many. And the fact that she was able to do that and then get behind the camera, I mean, both with her show and other shows as a producer, um, is, is a pretty major deal. I always think it's funny because she got her due while she was alive. People recognized the respect for her. I always think about Marlo Thomas because in truth, Marlo Thomas has this show that, you know, predates Mary Tyler Moore, that girl, by four years. She's single. She's trying to make it in the world. Um, it's, it, it, it certainly didn't look like the Mary Tyler Moore show. It had a lot of, uh, uh, locations. It was quite different, but, um, it was one of those things where I think one day she will, you know, uh, one day, I think she will die one day. And, uh, and then people will say, Oh, right. She had one of those shows too. Um, just like Dan, Diane Carroll, the first African American woman to play a, um, you know, the leading role on a TV show where she played a professional woman. She played a nurse. These two shows predate Mary Tyler Moore, but there was something about the Mary Tyler Moore show. And I honestly think it was just more than anything. It's the quality. I named you two shows that predated that are revolutionary in certain ways, but they weren't great shows. And Mary Tyler Moore by almost anybody's standards is a really, really top flight show. I mean, you can imagine the pitch for Mary Tyler Moore uh, being, you know, pretty mundane. I mean, it's 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 not a complicated concept. Uh, but when you when you think of Mary Tyler Moore, you think of the characters and you think of the writing and you think of key moments. Uh, and we've said this, uh, you know, when we've talked about whether a show will make it or not. Uh, it all depends on the writing and the, and, and the characters. Uh, and that's right. probably probably what happened to Aquarius, Jeff. Yeah, probably. Um, um, and, and even though for its time, it certainly tried some things in a mainstream world. I mean, it wasn't doing what Norman Lear did, which was just beat you over the head. But they alluded to the fact that Mary was out there single, dating, you know, maybe more than dating, so to speak. And so those things were going on in the show, but they were doing it not in the Norman Lear style, where it was just in your face. But they were not necessarily shying away from those things. So um, it's it, it's fascinating. And again, it's one of those shows that I think uh, I, I happen to like the Dick Van Dyke show more. Um, but I think they both hold up incredibly well. Um, so um, interesting career. And like you said, when you go beyond those shows, she's not she's known more for for trying to fight diabetes than than anything else, really. And didn't um, David so, Letterman get his start on her um, or, or yes. his early jobs on her uh, variety show? Yes, absolutely. So I guess you can blame her for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but uh, you know, it's 2017. People are already dying left and right. And uh, I wonder if we're going to have another one of those. So we talked about this. We may be at the tipping point now where people, icons that we think of, um, you know, as being so major in entertainment are just going to be leaving us faster and faster as there are appear to be more of them. 
Um, so I'm hoping in a couple of weeks when Tom and I are back that we don't have another one of those. Um, maybe things with Trump and the media will have calmed down for a few days. So we could try to take stock in what's going there. Um, we can look more at what's going on with the Oscars and who is going to win and who we think we should win. Uh, and we'll be checking anything else in the world of entertainment for your enjoyment. So for Tom, I'm Jeff. Have a great day. <laughs>